Welcome to Waypoint. My name is Blair. I'm joined with my wife Tracy today as we uh, head into week two of a series that we're calling This Is Us. We're stealing that name from a TV show that's done a really good job of showing that who we are is a bunch of complex people who are shaped by complex forces. And I would say that's a pretty accurate statement. That's who we are. But sometimes when we uh, use the term, this is us, what we mean by that is that um, we understand those forces have shaped us, and we're expressing that really in, in light of all of those things that have happened in our lives, we can't do any better. This is the best that you're going to get. We're not going to get any further than where we are right now. That, that sense of frustration happens for a lot of different reasons. One that we're going to talk about this morning is about the kind of internal stories that get placed in your life. Forces flow into your life. They, they place stories that are there about you, and, and then you live those out. And uh, just like the song was talking about, it's why we, uh, we played that song. Um, sometimes I think we know they're there, but we don't want to look too closely because it's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be disturbing to what we find, and so we'll take any other distraction. We'll get on our phone, we'll read a book, we'll do whatever we have to, not to look intently inside. But this is what we're going to ask you to do today. We're going to ask you to look into your soul with places where nobody else ever visits, and to be honest about what's going on in there, because if you don't, there's a chance, and I think it's high, that you're living values, that you're living your life based on some internal stories. And if you don't confront them, you'll just keep living them out no matter what they tell you to do. You'll just keep doing them. I wish that this was some kind of theory, and I wish when I turned on This Is Us and watched the characters' struggles that it just existed in the TV world. But I've talked to too many other people, and my life also shows that I live out of these internal stories. The internal stories that we tell ourselves, or in some other cases others speak into our lives, make long-term impressions and can leave a mark in us. What you see when you look at me is one thing, but what I see when I look in that mirror is a sense of stories and long-term feelings and experiences that I've had in life. And then there's this filter that happens out of those stories that defines where my value or my worth comes from. So here's an episode, if the story was called This is Tracy, that I would like to tell you. Watching families in the church as a little girl and as I grew up, I thought that good children were a result of good parents. I watched good Christian families and felt that they had God's ear or favor. And I felt like my family never measured up. My dad cut out the door right after service to smoke his pipe. He only came to one service a week. He never volunteered, and he hardly ever spoke to anyone. And I watched my mom as she tried to make her way through Christian organizations or Bible studies to make friends with other women. But it seemed like what was happening with my dad fit my mom into a different category. And I, only, I didn't only see that my parents were in a different view in the church or less than, I also thought that I was as well. So any failure that I had just reinforced that story. And I remember in my 20s when the pastor called my dad and words were exchanged and it, things got heated. It was actually a conversation over me 
that the pastor said to my dad, you're not even a Christian. And if you think like that, then you're just a snake slithering in the grass and you just need to go on. And that was the end. And I felt incredible shame and guilt from that, that I had created something that said I was less than. It wasn't just my parents, but it was me as well. And that belief that I lived kind of in a second tier of Christianity haunted me and leaked into other parts of my life. It was there when I looked in the mirror. It was there when I came through the church doors. It was there when I interacted with other people, especially other women, and wondered what they thought of me. It was also there when I thought about how God saw me. I knew um, when we slated this week that it was a, kind of a touchy subject. I, I, just two things came to mind real quick as to why it would be a touchy subject. One, there's, a, there's kind of some thinking in church that goes along this lines. If you talk about self-image at all, you're just talking about humanistic stuff. You're wasting your time on it. Why are we doing this? Um, ultimately, people should think more about God and less about themselves. And that, there's value in that. And I would say, yeah, I'm, I agree. Um, but I would also push back and say, I think God is a lover of truth. And if the story that you've told or been told and have accepted in your living out hasn't been confronted with the truth, well, then it, um, that's a problem. And I think God would welcome that conversation. And I'm hoping that's what we'll do here today. I think the second thing um, that makes it a little bit touchy is most guys think it's not for them. This is just a ladies thing. Right? And the, the reasoning kind of goes like this. We're not emotional. We're not really feely. So we really don't have these experiences. But from what I can tell, based on the stuff that I've read, the only people who don't have emotions and feelings are serial killers. Do you really want lumped in with them? Is that what you're looking for? See, I, I think we have these things as well. We, we just don't talk about it. Uh, maybe 10 years back, we were trying to figure out when it was. We don't know for sure. But we'd been married, I think, 20 years. And we were having a really interesting conversation with each other. And we were talking about, man, if we could take all of those life experiences from 20 years and take it back to when we were 20, making some important decisions early on, we would do some things differently. It was kind of one of those hypothetical conversations. But it was about the stuff that we had learned um, through 20 years of living and that sort of thing. And so we would have done some different things financially. We would have done different things with schooling. We might have done different things with careers, all that sort of stuff. And it was a great conversation until marriage came up, right? And Tracy doesn't miss a beat. She's like, oh, I would change a lot of things when it came to marriage, right? Now, I know... I know what she said and didn't say, and she didn't say what I heard her say. What I heard her say was if I had the chance to get married to you again, I wouldn't, right? That's what I heard. Now, that, that wasn't in the conversation, but I can tell you that started a whole thought in me of insecurity, and I can remember, it, it took several years to work through because I, I can never remember a moment where I sat down with a bunch of guys at a meal and said, hey, guys, let me tell you about this insecurity I'm having with my wife right now, right? N never happened. I, I imagine if that would have started, they would have gone, check, please, check, please, get me out of here, right? That's probably not true. But, I, but I'm convinced that these stories that we collect along the way 
They're in all of us. This is not just a lady's thing. Yep. In the TV show, This Is Us, one of the main characters, Kate, struggles with her weight. And the show does a great job helping us understand the internal voices within her and then what she struggles with on a daily basis. And although she's in her 30s, times from when she was 15 or 20 years ago still play out now as full-blown insecurity. We get a private look into her life of where those kind of haunting voices began. She's giving grapefruits for breakfast to help control her weight instead of cereal. She looks in her mom's closet and see her mom wears a size small dress, and she's a young lady and she already wears a large. She hears negative comments from family and friends. And we're going to show you a video clip here of what happens when she's at the local swimming pool with her family enjoying a weekend. She gets a note from a girl, from the girls, and opens it up, and inside is a little piggy. Her dad realizes what's going on, and he tries to reset that internal story. So let's take a look at this. Mommy's just jealous. I don't think so. <laughs> no, it's true. She just pretends like she hates it because I don't know how to wear it. You know where I got this shirt? I heard Mommy say it was from a drugged out drifter. Listen, Mommy doesn't know the whole truth, so this is going to have to stay between us, okay? I got it in Florida, a magical land called Daytona Beach. Can we go there? No. No. You may never go to Daytona Beach. I want you to say it out loud. Daddy, I will never go to Daytona Beach. Daddy, I will never go to Daytona Beach. Good girl. But I was there. And one night, I was walking back to my hotel, and I came across this man, a traveler. He was wearing ragged clothes, and he had a strange way of talking. And these three young jerks bothering him they were trying to take away his bag of groceries and so i chased the jerks off by yourself yeah by myself i had a few vitamin drinks and i chased them off it happened and the traveler was so grateful he wanted to repay me you know he, he didn't have much so he reaches into his little satchel and he pulls out this shirt he says to me it's a magic t-shirt. He said that when you wear it, your enemies will see you exactly as you want to be seen. And only that way. Whether it's a, a warrior or a princess, whatever you want. Does it work? You tell me. I was wearing this shirt the night I met your mom. And she thought I was the handsomest man in the world. You? Yeah, I know. Me. I'm gonna go with 
Daddy already sees you that way without the shirt, okay? You don't need it. Thanks, Daddy, but I'm gonna wear it. Daddy sees you that way, even without the shirt. Thanks, Dad, but I'm going to wear it anyway. Why, why wasn't enough for Dad's voice of reassurance into her life? Because the reason that didn't land was because she had already developed an internal story about herself that she decided to trust above any other else's voice. C can I just tell you, I think we do that with God all the time. We develop these internal stories that God wants to speak into, to shed some light on and say, what the picture you have is not how I see you. I see you differently. And we push God away and say, no, I, I don't think I'm interested in that. It kind of reminds me of a section of scripture where Jesus is talking. Actually, we're not going to talk about the main idea that he was discussing. He was actually talking about how he's the gate. That when you uh, come to God, you enter through him. And so you get security, you get protection, you get connection with God by entering through Jesus. And the people he was talking to, they were having a hard time understanding the picture that he was laying forward. And so he gets really direct and he says some stuff about his intentions in our lives. And it's that, that little direct statement that I want to focus on this morning. Because it has some important stuff to say about how life works and what God has in mind for us instead. This is in John chapter 10, verse 10. And he's just talked about how he's the gate where you're going to get security, protection, connection. And then he says, the thief, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's suggesting that there are others in the world whose goal for you would be to alter your story. God's tried to write a story where you'll have security, protection, safety with him, connection with God. But others, they'll come, they'll steal, they'll kill, they'll destroy. And then he says this, I have come. He's making his intentions as clear as possible for you, for me. I have come that you may have life. And then he says, oh, don't, don't try. Because <laughs> he adds just a little bit that's an over-exaggeration because he wants to spike the ball. He says, and have it to the full. Full is not strong enough here. What God wants for you is more intense, and it's why the verse has been translated so many times into abundant. And unfortunately, this idea has been hijacked by some in the church to say that all your riches will be met, all of your needs will be met, everything that you want, your physical and material things will come to you. But if you continue to read down, it then says that the good shepherd lays down his life, his physical life for the sheep. His spiritual life kept going, his spirit continued, but his physical life stopped. So true, life is physical, but it's not the life that Christ is talking about here. It's not the tangible world that we see and touch. It's our soul. And God's enemies want to destroy your soul. They'll take your riches, your physical and tangible possessions, or they'll give them to you, whatever will get your attention. But your soul is the ultimate prize. 
Think about Job and all the things that were taken away from him. What remained? His soul. His soul desire to follow after God. Now, even evil isn't the only entity that wants to take your soul. Other outside forces bring thoughts and beliefs into your life and steal your joy, kill your hope, and destroy the true picture of who you are in God's eyes. Remember Job's friends and what they said to him? People will try to rewrite the story of your life differently than what God intended. It's not God's voice that says you're worthless. It's not God's voice that says you're less than others. It's not God's voice that says you don't measure up. It's not God's voice that says you're better than someone else or, well, you're not as bad as they are. The thief or the outside forces speak those stories, and many times we join them. So let me ask you, how do you view yourself? Are you hard on yourself? Are you harder on yourself than on others? Have you ever felt like you are your own worst enemy? Maybe you feel like you're your own worst enemy because you keep making choices that you don't like and you feel like I can't stop from that. I don't know what's going on. Man, I'm my own worst enemy. Maybe the one of the things that you haven't considered is maybe you're your own worst enemy because you've decided to agree with God's enemies about the stories that are told about you. And you've taken those in and you've accepted them. And you have become your own worst enemy at this point. Because your story, no matter who speaks into your life, you believe what you think. Th this becomes so detrimental. I've, I've had a lot of conversations with people. Over, and I've made a list of things that I've heard come out of their mouth where they've identified themselves as th this is who I am. And it didn't matter what I was saying to them. This is what they thought. And they had become their own worst enemy. Here's the kind of stuff I've heard. I'm a bad mom. I'm a worthless friend. I don't believe anybody could love me. My life doesn't matter. Nobody would miss me if I were gone. I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm an addict. I'm not enough. I'm not enough of a dad. I'm not enough of a worker. I'm not enough of a... I'm not, I'm not enough. Gets a lot. Not pretty. And the, the question is, if you were to stand yourself in front of the mirror over there, peer deeply into your soul and ask, what kind of stories are being told? Would the stories that you're telling yourself remind you of an abundant life that God had always had in mind for you? Or would it be telling a different story? Would it be taking you in a different direction? So when we speak or believe those internal stories, you steal, kill, and destroy your own life. You join the enemy. You hide from God just like Adam and Eve did. Or you only come around him when you think that you've got it, little ground on it, like you're just, you're making it and you can come to him. But what's the truth? God has communicated so many ways of how much he values you. You're created in his image. You were knit together in the womb when he saw you. You were no surprise to God. He knows the hairs on your head. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you were dead inside, a perfect, sacrificial Savior and Creator came to rescue you. He sees you. 
He sees me and he sees the cates of the world and he acts in accordance with how much he values you. If you ever forget it, open up his story, the scriptures, and watch him step into the story of mankind. Watch him step into you. The full story is that he sees someone that is incredibly loved, meant to love big, embrace purpose, accept challenges, grow and change the world, live a full life. So what do you do with those toxic messages that sit inside? Uh, for me, I, I was uh, challenged with that because I, I told you about the insecurity that developed. Tracy had said one thing, I took it in a different way. And over time, it had developed into something much worse on the inside of me. And I, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to do with that. Because every time I would bump into something with her that I thought was related to that, what I found was it started to kill the joy in our relationship, started to steal our sense of togetherness. It was actually destroying our sense of oneness with each other. And I knew I had to confront it. And that came with looking at the truth. So how do you find what's true about your story? Paul gives us some instruction or guidance in, about that quiet, dark space in our mind in Romans 12. Verse 2, he says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a great verse, so one that gets read a lot. So we can be transformed if we renew our minds or when we renew our minds. But Paul isn't done. And tucked neatly in this next verse that isn't read or quoted as often is another key to unlock it. In verse 3 it says, For the grace given to me, I say to you, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to think but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Paul, who feels full of grace from God, he starts that verse, I'm full of grace, is passing incredibly, incredibly gracious words to us. It doesn't feel like grace. It feels kind of harsh. Don't think of yourself so fully. Don't think too much. Rather think of yourself with sober judgment. And at first blush, we could assume that this verse is just about arrogant people. And, and it does actually have something to do with arrogant people. Having um, had times in my life, and I still wrestle with that sense of arrogance, it has the ability to cause you to think, I don't need transformed. Like, I'm doing really good. I'm doing fine. It, it creates your own internal stories. I did this on my own. I don't need other people. You, you have that same kind of thing that gets developed in an arrogant heart. And um, the challenge to that is that God would say, listen, that's not sober judgment. Um, sober judgment, solemn, sensible, serious consideration. You're, you're not serious about these evaluations of yourself, are you? Because they're so far off base. And yet, we hold them because we've not stopped long enough to look in the mirror and consider, is this an acceptable kind of belief for me to have about me. Is this an acceptable story? Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's absolutely a problem with arrogance. But the same thing happens on the negative side of this equation, too. See, if I'm arrogant, I don't think I need to hear the corrected story. 
But if I believe the negative side and you tell me the corrected story, I still trust that my version is more important, better, more accurate than yours. And you could be God yourself speaking into my life, and I'd still say, no, you've got it wrong, I've got it right. Both of them are the same thing. Arrogance and self-hating have the same element that's wrong with them. Yep, they both lack that sober judgment. The roots in the Hebrew come from two different words, and they mean together God-controlled honesty reflecting true balance. It's really long. But we could all stand to have some God-controlled honesty reflecting true balance when we look in that mirror. If what you see is the best thing you've ever seen, then maybe you're having a really good hair day, or maybe you really are full of that arrogance. And what if you see in that mirror a story that's full of negativity? That's a different story from the liar, an outside force, or you that still becomes your filter. So in that quiet, dark place in your mind, what thoughts come to you? Failure, lonely, foul, bad-tempered, worthless, unlovable, unattractive, stubborn, unorganized, addicted, jealous. I'm not talking about the stuff that we pretend when we come here. I'm talking about the stuff in the night or the stuff in the dark or the stuff when things don't go like we think they should. When you don't have control, what is going on inside of you? There's nothing God-controlled, honesty, or solemnness reflecting balance in those thoughts. They might describe your stumbles, but they do not describe who you are. The beauty of um, using so sober judgment comes with how that verse is finished. There's actually a little bit more to verse 3 here, and I want you to read it. Because he's talking about using sober judgment, and then he says, in accordance with with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. I want you to go through this process of sober judgment about where you're at in light of the connection that I've made with you and God. Your faith is supposed to inform who you are. The stories that I want to write are supposed to be based on what I think about you. And the question is, are you going to let God write your story in a way that allows it to be a full life or not. So God has given us this faith, the very thing we need to tune into him so that he can write the true story on our heart. When I fill my life with better than you stories or less than you stories, it doesn't leave any room for God to fill us with his story. Relationships remain at arm's length. Goals are for surviving, but no more. Shame, not being good enough, or always striving, 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 or being better than, see what I do, look what I do, they haunt me. It's time to look full face in the mirror. This week, I'm going to challenge you to get quiet and go to a mirror and look. Uh, we were singing a song at the end of last service, and I forgot about that story um, with my dad until just this week. And there was a time this summer that I didn't want to come to church. I actually skipped it a few weeks because I didn't feel good enough to come here. There were things happening in my family, and my heart ached. And I couldn't face anyone. I just wanted to cry and run away. And there were a few weeks that I left before I could see anyone or talk to anyone because I felt 
broken. I felt I wasn't good enough. So God knelt down into that space and said, let me in. So it's time to look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what internal stories are we telling? What are we living out? Look deeply, conscientiously, spend time, but that means we have to get quiet and we are busy, busy people. But the quietness is where God's voice rests in us. It's where we can invite him into our story. So I'm just going to pray and ask God to be invited into our stories today. God, our stories are vast and numerous, and you have seen every single one of them that have been written on our hearts. You see the one we reject. You see the ones that we strive after, the ones that we try to recreate in our own mind and that we live out of. But God... You're the gate of safety, of security, of protection. And we want to come in and tell you those stories and let you rewrite it. Let you give us your worth, your value, your heart. This next song, God, broke my heart when I heard it. This summer, because I did not feel good enough. It's a lie I continue to pick up. And so I ask that as these words come and Amber sings it, that we will remember who you say that we are. That when we're weak, we can be strong in you. God, when we're fighting for things, you can give us peace. When we don't feel you anywhere, that you are still love and you love us. God, I ask for your presence to come close, to just prick our heart and remind us to get quiet with you. May you enter our stories, God, and write them, bringing full, abundant, life-giving joy. And may we hold on to each other because we were not meant to do this alone. In Jesus' precious name, amen.